Antonio had always believed that a sword's first breath happened when you quench the blade. After all, his smith's hammer forges and shapes the blade from hot glowing metal, his eye and hand molding form from thought and vision. How poetic then was it that its first breath be when he plunges the hot blade into water and oil, an anointing, sweat from his brow sliding along the blade's edge. His mentor, Francisco de la Rosa, head smithy of Antonio's small village, believed a blade was not made whole until it had tasted blood. A gruesome thing. Vulgar. But even Antonio couldn't deny this blade's destiny. The king was building an army. Brigantines filled with soldiers were crossing the Atlantic to face a mysterious enemy, one that had seemed to magically rise from the sea itself with cities of gold and god-kings. As Antonio tightly wound strips of leather around the handle of his newly forged rapier, he whispered to it, I didn't make you to take lives. Call me foolish, but I think metal can be more than a weapon, don't you? He smiled to himself when light glinted off the blade's polished edge. A flickering yes, he thought. It agreed. I knew you'd understand. Your first breath was in water, no? the same element that births all life. As he placed the rapier in a box filled with others just like it, he made a simple request of the blade. Promise me something. Protect life, sustain it, don't end it. Do this for me, and I promise to never forge another blade meant for war. This time, as the sun had long since set, there was no flickering light to comfort Antonio. No acknowledgement of a foolish boy's wish, but still, he hoped. And as the boy nailed the box shut, and after making sure that he was completely alone, he talked to the blade as simply as you'd talk to a sibling. In return, I'll also give you a name. After all, all famous swords have a name. How about El Toque de Agua? water's touch. As a rapier sat nestled in its crate, a thought formed, a feeling, a trickle of water traveling from the tip of its blade to the delicately twisted metal of its looping guard. Water's touch. The rapier liked its new name, and how strange it was to be named, to have thoughts, to feel, all at once like the bubbling water that birthed it, water's touch was overwhelmed. It turned to see if a sword can see at all what the others thought of its name. But something was wrong with the other blades. There was no light in these swords. A dullness not of a blade's edge, but of spirit. Water's touch had been granted something special by the hand of a young, talented smith. And the first fully formed thought that enters its mind was simply, Am I alone? 
suddenly, or as suddenly as a ship's crossing the Atlantic can be for a sentient sword, the crate that held water's touch cracked open. Desperate hands clawed at the nestled blades as cannon fire and screaming filled the air. The Spaniards had just landed and already the sky burned. The glove of a young conquistador took hold of water's handle and suddenly its mind was clouded by the thoughts of another. Voy a matar. I am going to kill. As a Spaniard leapt from the boat onto a blood-soaked beach, Water's Touch tried to push aside the invading thoughts. It made a promise, and it intended to keep it. Water twisted in the Spaniard's glove, softening each of his strikes. Water's blade dug its teeth into wooden shields, refusing to let go. Its looping guard snagged and pulled at the Spaniard's chainmail. Its tip wedged itself between the jagged obsidian of a warrior's club. As a sun set on Water's first battle, the Spaniard looked closely at the rapier in his hand. Not a single drop of blood had been spilled by its blade. Simply and without a second thought, the Spaniard tossed Water's edge into the beach. Another castaway piled atop the shore. As sand and salt began to collect in its grooves, Water's touch wondered if this would be the end. What is the end of a sword, anyway? Does a sword die when it breaks? Does a sheath become a shroud when it is left on display? Perhaps the crabs that nipped at its rotting edge would know. Water's touch kept wondering as its blade sliced through a fisherman's net, taking no notice of the way the man howled into the night. Or how he leapt into the water, desperately grabbing at the escaping fish. Water's touch only noticed the man when his hand firmly gripped its handle and a new thought formed. Special. This is special. The fisherman quickly dug Water's touch out of the sand and rushed all the way home, careful not to let anyone see what treasure he had found. With the care Water had an experience since the young smith all those years ago, the fisherman scrubbed and polished every inch of the salt-rusted blade. And... While Water's Touch had lost a few inches, the fisherman still found it to be the perfect gift for his newlywed son, a son who upon first touching the sword, thought simply, now I am a man. A man who cried when the wedding bells tolled, when he said goodbye to his fisherman father before heading up north to a new homestead in Coahuila, who cried at the first sounds of gunshots fired by a brewing rebellion who cried not because he was going to die, but because he had failed to protect his family's home. While some cheered at the birth of the Republic of Texas, others fled in the dead of night, no longer welcomed on the land they were born in. Mari, the man's daughter who was named after a golden flower, hid her father's sword from drunken rangers who poked and prodded from horseback. Water's touch thought that should she choose to strike out with its blade, just this once it would break its promise to protect her. But the rangers left, and Mari cried until the wind no longer carried their drunken singing. On their journey, sacrifices were to be made. Mari gave Water's pommel to a coachman for a day's travel south to Chihuahua, she broke its blade in half and used the metal to pay for her mother's burial. 
She broke apart its intricate looping guard to pay for a small plot of land to call her own. By journey's end, water's touch was no more than a modest dagger that never left her belt. Mari would give this dagger to her daughter, who would pass it on to her daughter, who would pass it on to the next until it was in the hands of a revolutionary named Esperanza, who fought alongside Pancho Villa. Water's touch cut bandages for the injured, tightened screws on their weapons, and once cut the burning fuse on a stick of dynamite before it destroyed their whole camp. But she didn't notice when it fell from her belt. After all, they had taken Juarez, and with it ended Diaz's reign. It wasn't until years later, when the youngest of seven sons turned ten, did Water's touch see the light of day. Huichol wasn't accustomed to receiving nice gifts. For as long as he could remember, most of his birthday presents were hand-me-downs. The first son's old glasses, the sixth son's beat-up sneakers, the third son's basketball shorts. But this year had been good. That was what his father kept saying. A good year, mijito. A good year. Even now, as Huichol unwrapped his birthday gift, he could hear his father say again how good this year had been with a lightness meant only for those ancestors who still lingered on the hot desert air. Wicha was stunned as he laid eyes on a gift he'd only dared to dream about. A metal detector. With a wink from his father, Wicha launched into the Chihuahua Desert. His eyes grew wide as the detector beeped and whirred. Before long, he had filled his pockets with vessels, bottle caps, a small toy soldier, and even the gold-capped tooth that the second son had lost wrestling in the dirt years ago. And even though the sun was setting, and Huichol could hear his father calling his name, something in the young boy knew that there was one last treasure to uncover. A sharp beep from the detector revealed a dagger hidden beneath clay and stone. And despite the boy's age, he knew there was something special about this blade. Because when his fingers wrapped around its handle, he heard a voice. A faint but sharp sound from deep within the blade. A name. Water's Touch. This episode, Water's Touch, was written by Andrew Sionez de la O and performed by Andrew Sionez de la O. Audio editing and sound design by Tal Minier. Produced by Ezra J. Wayne and Tal Manier.